Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Today we place the country of Egypt under our religious freedom microscope to see how things are playing out in that country. For the past couple of years, there has been great turmoil and not a little persecution of those who hold firm religious beliefs. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to bring us up to date. Lincoln, what's the latest? Well, the latest is that the uh, Arab Spring has turned uh, uh, a little bit chilly <laughs> yes, it has. and a little bit frightening yes. for everybody. Yes. I mean, there's a wind blowing that, that I don't think anyone, uh, either an Egyptian citizen or, or an observer around the world, can really say for sure what's happening. But we sense and we see and we're, we're convinced, I think, that, that it's spiraling in the direction of, of religious extremism. Mm. That is dangerous because we know what can happen when that happens. We've seen it before. What are some of the indications, Lincoln, that you've seen that sort of uh, feeds that thought? Well, the, the, uh, more than indication, the, the harsh reality in Egypt is that an Arab Spring there that began seemingly as young people taking to the streets uh, in a non-sectarian uh, uh, general civil rights movement mm -hmm. was, even before it ended, somewhat taken over by the conservatives, the Muslim Brotherhood in particular, and uh, then with the elections, which were stage managed by the military uh, to, to ensure their continued power, but curiously they disqualified so many candidates that one of the few candidates left was a relatively obscure member of the Muslim Brotherhood. The president of Egypt now is Morsi, M-O-R-S-I. Nobody much knew of him in Egypt. In America, we didn't know of him, although he'd, he'd studied here. I think he was an engineering uh, student for several years in the United States. Very introspective, non-Western person, even though he knows what the West is like. So he became president. People thought that he would uh, take it easy and go slowly. They were startled when he used the presidential powers to, uh, in essence, dismiss the uh, army leadership and uh, removing a decree that limited presidential powers. So he came very close right off the bat with oh, making yeah. himself a uh, dictator. Then he got involved with the Gaza... Israeli conflict, and, and people wondered, what's he going to do? But he seemed to simultaneously encourage the rebellion and yet calm it a little bit so it wouldn't spiral into a larger war. Mm -hmm. And just when people thought that, therefore, he might be safe, then he declared that presidential laws and decrees are, and this is an actual quote, final and binding oh. and cannot be appealed in any way or, or by any entity. Oh, boy. Okay. And then the Arab Spring or at least the demonstrations that we saw with the Arab Spring continued again. Now people took to the streets against this guy. Mm -hmm. And he backed down a little bit. But it raises the question, where is Egypt going? Is it going to be the most blatant, repressive form of uh, Islamism uh, that they've ever seen there? Or can we believe what sometimes the Muslim Brotherhood says, uh, that, you know, that they're really just a political expression mm -hmm. of an underlying faith that they will allow freedom for all people? Mm -hmm. Is there any kind of example uh, in the past, in history, where this type of thinking, this type of ruling can take a nation? Well, many examples. You know, Egypt 
for all of the fears that people have, Egypt has had a relatively right. uh, benign right. uh, history. You know, the West got a little bit bothered with um, Abdul Gamal Nasser in the 50s, but he was a nationalist. He wasn't a, an Islamist. And ironically, it was the falling out between Nasser and the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, a fellow named Qutub, that led to the radicalization of the Muslim uh, Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And so they had a political agenda, but they severed it from the nationalist one. And for all these years, they've been ticking over, developing a comprehensive worldview and a plan for what they would do when they finally get power. And now they have it. What is the grassroots on this thing? When we talk about young people taking the streets and having demonstrations and burning things, whatnot, is Egypt as a nation, the huge population, uh, have you discovered that they are behind this new ruling, or is it just one factor that isn't, the noisy factor that gets out on the streets at night? Well, on this radio program, uh, at the beginning of the Arab Spring, I pointed out that it was problematic to think there'd be a good outcome because surveys done just on the onset of the spring showed that Almost all the Muslim population, which were 75 to 80% of the whole, were in favor of the death penalty for conversion. So there, there are deeply conservative Islamic views by the population. But that said, Egypt has had a fairly uh, open society, even under the, the uh, what we call the dictatorship of Mubarak, really just a strongman rule. I don't right, think right. it was a repressive police state unless you were one of the opposition uh, parties that he imprisoned pretty regularly. But, you know, it was not a closed society. And so people expect expected sort of an openness to continue. And even those Muslim conservatives, or many of them, are uncomfortable with this rapid lockdown. Mm-hmm. So we can... We can really support those people out in the streets then. They represent what you would do if you were uh, Egyptian, if you were a young person there. Would you be out in the streets with them? I think I'd be in the streets, of course. Sometimes I think I should be in the streets here. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. No, no, it shouldn't take two. But, you know, there's times when when people should make their views known. That's not the same as rebellion. That's just uh, participatory democracy. But there's something uh, that an article I read recently pointed out about Morsi that, that I'm sure is relevant. That it says four years ago, he, he co-authored a paper defining the relationship between Islam and politics. And he put out a vision of a guiding council that said women and Coptic Christians, for example, were to be banned from serving as president. Ooh. And that a panel of Islamic judges was to serve as the ultimate arbiter of Egyptian law. Oh you know, that's the type of thing that, that we would expect from a deeply conservative Islamist, but it's against all of the norms of modern society, not just Christian Western society. That's, you know, it, it's retrograde. We have a debate in the United States about the, 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 the family and, and, and the role of women and so on. But that, here we never could sustain saying directly, no woman can do this, no woman can do that. Yeah. And uh, so I think he's signaling a, a very retrograde attitude and through his actions of uh, being very extremist and, and arbitrary, uh, Egypt is going to have a rocky road ahead, I think. Very rocky road.
You know, this really shows me that Liberty Magazine and the religious liberty movement is not just about our country. It's not just about our community. You are concerned, Lincoln, about a nation that isn't the one you live in, religions which aren't the ones you believe in, people who are not your neighbors. You are concerned about them because there is something that we share that is being harassed there, and that is the freedom to worship whatever God we want or to not worship whatever God we choose not to worship. That's what I'm seeing here. We believe in, in the sovereign right of the individual to choose. Uh, their beliefs and their and their loyalties, or, or even to be disloyal to any yes. higher power. And and when we're talking about Morsi and Egypt, it's worth remembering that that it's wrong for Muslims yes. because not all Muslims are necessarily that extreme. There should be the right within that belief system for people to uh, live and to act and to worship in the norms that they see, not by some extremist view of their own religion. And this really demonstrates to me how important it is to us, to the rest of us, those listening on the air right now to our program. Anybody who has ever started a campfire in a forest knows that that campfire, if it gets out of control, can burn the entire forest and go down and burn your house, even though you may live five miles away from the campfire. That's what was happening here. We need to be aware of the campfires that are burning around the world because this fire of persecution and uh, this fire of intolerance can spread very rapidly from nation to nation as well as from tree to tree. Am I on the right track here? You've been reading my last editorial. I almost (laughs) used the phrase identical to that. (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's true. And, uh, you know, we're not directly influenced by Egypt, but the phenomenon that's popping up everywhere, which Egypt exemplifies, Mm -hmm. is uh, bound to have an effect on on our viewpoint here. And it, it will tend to polarize uh, government and societal attitudes, I think, and maybe harden us in our counter views. You know, yes, well, Christianity yes. is to be protected. A Christian America, which is a, a false term, but, you know, some people say a, a Christian America is to be protected, and, and then they'll do what Morsi has done and hard-headedly, in a legal way, uh, enforce a certain view of that religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I am so glad that we have this voice on this program and the Liberty Magazine, of course, which is spreading this news. We need to protect yeah, we want religious people to freedom. Keep reading. Absolutely, absolutely. Week after week, as we talk about these issues, I know how important it is that we pray about these people, that we think about these people. What else can we do? We are praying, we're thinking, you're writing, the magazine's coming out. What else can we do from our little village, our little town, our little home where we happen to live? What can we do to help our neighbors? They really are our neighbors. Our neighbors in Egypt and in India and in in Europe and other places, what can we do? Well, we can do all of the things that you mentioned, there's no question. And we must must recognize that we can't easily and directly affect a country far, far away. But what they do is look to us often. Hmm. And and if the U.S. in particular and the West start emulating their extremist views, they'll, they'll just accelerate. So we need to defend religious liberty in our country. We need to work for civil freedoms. Of course, some people through church operations can go and spread certain views in those countries. But I think we need to be forewarned by what's happening there. We need to interpret these events, not respond and just react to them. Mm -hmm. They have meaning. Mm -hmm. They have significance. And we can apply them in our own thinking and as members of another community here, ensure that we don't make those same mistakes. 
I like that. You said that we can be the example, and what a wonderful opportunity and what a great privilege that is for every Christian everywhere to be the example, to be the standard of religious freedom, to be the standard of acceptance of people of other faith. This nation should be filled with people like that, because if we are Absolutely. that, we can really make a difference in the world. And and I think that that just gives us uh, our marching orders for today. We need to go out into the Absolutely. world. We need to show the world. Well, keep watching. The story is not over. Yes. Religious yes. freedom always needs defending, and the attacks on it will be continuing. Very good. And also, you can arm yourself, listener, by visiting www.libertymagazine.org to find out how you can become part of this uh, army of truth that is marching around the world and making a difference in people's lives. That's www.libertymagazine.org. Lincoln, thank you so much. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed saying, may you rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.